extend a welcome to you this morning. It's good to be with God's people, our spiritual family. Trust you felt at home as we shared our discussion on God's Word this morning. And we want to continue to do that. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Psalm, Psalm 8. This psalm has two themes in it, so you can keep these themes in mind as we read through this psalm. The first one is, it's man's status in God's universe. And then the second theme that is uh, discussed is nature or creation's role in witnessing to God's glory. Those two themes, I think, are uh, predominant as we read through the verses here of the psalmist David. Psalms 8 Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth! Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. want to look first of all at the first theme that is I mentioned, that of man's status in God's creation, God's universe. If you notice, the psalmist starts a very, very, very logical place. He says, O Lord, our Lord. He is indeed Lord. Whether we recognize him as our personal Lord or not, he still is Lord. We can't deny that. But the question needs to be answered. Is he our Lord? Is he my Lord personally? And it really, really only works one way. He's Lord of all or not at all. We hear that quote sometimes. And that ties us back to our Sunday school lesson, does it not? He needs to be Lord of all my appetites. He needs to be Lord of all my indulgences. And that takes care of all the problems that we encounter in life. How do I know? A question that came to me as I meditated on this psalm with that David penned so many years ago. How do I know if he is Lord of my life? And that's a question you can ask yourself this morning. How do you know whether he is Lord of your life or not? So I analyzed that question. There's a number of thoughts went through my mind. One of them who do I or who do you take your orders from? We could turn to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6, verses 20. I may just turn to those verses and read. They're familiar verses. Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. This is Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cupid unto his stature? And why take ye thought for the raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. No man can serve two masters. Who am I taking orders from? Am I taking orders from God? Am I, am I combining, am I allowing, do, do I have an understanding of what God's will is for my life? Turn to the book of James, going back farther in the New Testament. James chapter 4. Uh, verses 8 through 17. James 4, verse 8 through 17. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify you hearts, your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Verse 15 particularly. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All, but now ye rejoice in your boastings. All shall rejoice. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, him, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. Do we, do I recognize what God's will is? Do I have an understanding of what God's will is? I like the words of James there. number of things. We need to draw, in verse 8, we need to draw nigh to God. God desires our inquisition into, his under, into uh, our understanding of his will, our purpose for his, uh, his purpose for our lives. Verse 10, it has a humbling effect upon us as we realize that, that God can use mortal flesh in his kingdom. Uh, verse 11, we need, to, we need to learn to get along in a horizontal way. 
says, Speak not evil one of another brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law. It's talking about getting along, any brotherhood relationship. Verse 14, uh, a veil is placed in front of us. We don't know the future. We were created in the image of God, but God knows everything. Uh, and there's that, uh, God wants us to have an element of trust and faith in His plan for my life, His plan for your life. So He does not reveal to us what may be five, ten years down the road, or even tomorrow closer than that, or even an hour from now. We have no idea, perhaps. We can plan. And the writer here, James Sell, tells us we ought to always be in consciousness of what God's will is for our lives. It's We can purpose, we can plan, uh, but we need to recognize that there are things that are beyond our comprehension, beyond our vision, our, our, our short-term vision that we do not, we cannot always reckon with. But again, that's where the element of faith and trust comes in understanding and accepting God's will for my life. Again, this is having an understanding of what God's will is for my life. Man's status in this world, in this universe. And there's something that's always, always right. Notice that in verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We are to be doers of good. Always, always. We are dispensers of God's goodness. There is none good but God, and we are His dispensers. We ought to be dispensing good as we, as we go through life. There's two uh, stories that uh, stood out to me just recently, and I'm sure there, at least one of them made news headlines. You know, the, the tragedy in Las Vegas, and uh, you know, why, would, why would a man take a hammer and bash out the 32nd? story window of his room and, and open fire on a crowd below and on innocent people. You know, we ask that question, why? Um, you know, the, 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 the uh, I don't know how to describe it, I guess you'd say the unreasonableness of it. Uh, you know, it, it, boggles on my, our, it boggles our minds why anyone would, you know, go to that extent. And uh, so we see that the horribleness, we see the the, the tragedy of it. We see the uh, the effects of it. And it uh, you know, that's mankind. That's God's creation acting in such an evil and heinous way. So that's the one incident. I don't want to dwell very long on that. But there's another incident that caught my attention just recently in the news, and it was a uh, a young mother of four who was going through the checkout line in a store, and uh, I think she had two of her four children with her. And uh, she had her cart full of the necessities, the food and things, and uh, she was at the checkout counter. And just just that, as a last thing, she picked up two personal items that she thought were extra that uh, um, she would indulge in. One was, I don't remember what the second item was. The first one was a Senate candle. And uh, I think she went on to say she was suffering from postnatal depression. And she said having a Senate candle burning in a house, you know, helped alleviate that. And I don't know anything about that. But uh, anyway, when she got, to, she got to the checkout counter, she was, clerk was ringing it up. And uh, she got to them last two items, and she realized she was already overspent. So she told the clerk, she said, just lay them two items aside. She said, I really don't need them. And there was an older gentleman behind her, gray-haired is the way she described him probably a grandpa, 
And uh, he right away stepped up, handed his credit card to the clerk and said, Here, I'll pay for them two items. And uh, she said, No, I don't want you to do that. And the clerk uh, just took his card and swiped them and dropped the things in her bag. And uh, she was touched by that, that a small act of kindness. And uh, she uh, went home and, uh, and told her husband, Ernie, about what, what had taken place. And uh, she, she didn't even get his name. And I, I think she thanked him, if I remember the story correctly. And, uh, but she posted it on Facebook, is, is what I understood the story. I don't have Facebook, but she said she posted it on the Facebook. She said she's got no response back. She wanted to thank him and find out more about him and uh, express her appreciation in a you know, more classical way, I guess. But uh, she said he has not responded. And uh, so she said, I'm deducting two things. Either he's my age, my age, and uh, isn't technically, uh, tech, you know, isn't in, up in technology and the mass media uh, sources that people use today, or she said he may have actually been an angel. Uh, so I guess you can deduct which one it was. I, I don't know what the case was there. But, you know, there we see someone who was willing to do good, as we see described there in the book of James. Uh, maybe she didn't need those items, but, you know, he was willing to be used of God in a way that I believe was uh, uh, ministered to her need at the time. Man's place, that's you and me, in God's creation. Are we a channel through which God can use us? Look at verse 2 in Psalms 8. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. One of the things that stands out to me is the role that children play in bringing glory to God. Um, children are indeed a gift from God. Um, you know, we think we talk about the faith of a small child. You know, the way they can express their trust and faith in what God can do. More so many times than us as adults. We we think we've got it calculated out. We we know the equation. We understand the equation. We understand the workings of the equation. But we fail to grasp the greatness of our God. That that a small child uh many times has seemed seemingly has a better grip on than we as adults do. And I don't know if it's callousness that through life we, we kind of, you know, we know what to expect. But uh, sometimes we are surprised. And I'm always, I'm always challenged sometimes by the faith of a small child who, who is simply trusting God. And even as they express their trust in their parents and their grandparents or whatever the case may be. Some of the things they notice, uh, you know, insignificant things, the wiggly little worms. Uh, the smallest things of God's creation. And I don't know if it has to do with being closer to the ground or what, but you know, <laughs> we're too far off. Well, maybe we're going the other direction, I guess. I hope we are. Uh, but you know, it's impressive. The little things they notice, the small things they notice, uh, it's a challenge to us as adults to sometimes stoop down to their level. You know, Jesus did that. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read those verses. Again, they're familiar verses, but uh, it challenged me as I thought of of Jesus, who he was, the creator of the universe. And yet he took time for the children. Mark chapter 10, reading uh, verses uh, 13 through 16. And, you know, the disciples' response here is probably so much what my response would have been. You know, hey, we got a plan. we got we got purposes. we got goals. Uh, we got to get going here. Begin reading here at in Mark chapter uh, 10 at uh, verse 13. 
And they brought the young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. And I penciled in there beside verse 15, the trust of a child. You know, they, they simply trusted uh, we need that same level of trust in, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as, as a small child does. A quote from Mary Owens salt from the Psalter. One of the marvels about God is His ability to reveal great truths to the small people, children. Truths so sublime that they silence the more worldly wise scoffer. And that is so true so many times. Children have a perception and a way of sometimes expressing their trust, their faith in God, that it silences the much more elevated intellect of, of the scoffer in the world today. Looking at verse 4, again, we're focusing on the first theme, man's place in God's creation. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visits him? I don't know if you've thought about a visit from God lately. Are you aware of them? Are you aware of God's visits in your life, in your experience with Him? first one I thought of was the coming of His Son. You know, it was a visit from, by God's only begotten Son, to bring redemption to fallen man. And we can turn back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where, where we find where God tells us about the creation of mankind, and and that in that in that uh, dialogue there it says, "Let us make man in our image," implying that the triune Godhead was involved in in creating mankind initially. Now, I, as I meditated on that, I, I thought of something that I don't know if I ever thought about, and I my humanity come came out in this logic and thinking. You know, when I can avoid when I can avoid difficulty, whatever it is, I usually take the, the, the path around it. But you know, here was Jesus, part of the triune Godhead. And there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, creating man in, in their image. And Jesus, who knew all things, knew what was required of Him. Have you thought about that? He knew what would be required of Him, that He would have to, sometime down the road, leave the, the beauty and the glory of Heaven's glory and, and succumb Himself to the treatment of the basest of human men. But yet he went along with that plan. Now, you know, again, I'm, I'm using my human logic. You know, I, I would have probably stumbled at that because my human nature is to divert and go away from any difficulty and hardship that, that we know is coming down the road. We try to avoid that. But yet Jesus willingly went along with that plan that God would create mankind in his image. So that was one visit from God. Him sending his son. The other visit that I thought about was the fact of the comforter coming there in the in the early church, and uh, the giving of the Holy Spirit uh, within the lives of the believers and with us today. It amazes me that God can impart that to us, the the gift of His Son Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That to me is 
is, is amazing. It's, it's beyond my comprehension that God can give us a portion of himself to, to, to live within dust and flesh and we can be what God wants us to be for his glory. Man's ability to reason is the crown of his glory and that is one way that we are in the likeness of God. We have the ability to reason and logic. So God visits us through his spirit and uh, he teaches us. He uses the Spirit, Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us into all truth, Scripture tells us. Uh, the reading of his word is another way God visits us. And I, I trust you visit with him, allow him to visit with you every day as you read the Word of God. Meditate on it and allow His Spirit to take those words, that printed page, and apply it to your experiences of the day, whatever they may be. Sometimes it can be through, God can visit us through other human beings. And uh, just as the elderly gentleman behind the young mother in the checkout line, will you and I be channels of God's message to mankind? Can God use us to minister to those in need? Verse 5 tells us that our place in God's creation is just a little lower than the angels. Uh, verse 5 is this, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, has crowned him with glory and honor. Man has an eternal soul. Each one of us here this morning has an eternal soul within our earthly body. And uh, it's confined presently within that. At some point when we, when life, physical life, cease is no longer, that soul is uh, relieved of being confined to this body. Um, am I concerned about the condition of my soul this morning? Are you, are you concerned about the condition of your soul? You know, we, I think physical, physical life, I think Dennis mentioned the idea of his his doctor, the instructions he gave him, or the, the call down he gave him of the same as smoking a pack of cigarettes. Was that correct? Okay. Unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to pick on you. I mean, we all get called down sometimes for our, our lack of being concerned about our physical condition, whatever that may be. And, uh, you know, we, we, get, we get concerned about that, and that's good. I think we should be. But are we just as concerned about our spiritual condition, our spiritual soul? Am I? Um, you know, what, what makes my spiritual soul healthy? Um, and actually, in reality, you know, we ought to be more concerned because our soul is going to live on for eternity. This body is going to be buried in the dust, in the earth. It's done. It served its purpose, but my soul will go on. We need to see the great physician, Jesus Christ, God, and he can make a correct diagnosis of our soul's condition. Verses 6, 7, and 8 of this psalm talk about having dominion over the creation. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Talks about the Animal life, sheep, oxen, doesn't mention cows there necessarily, which involves my vocation, the fowls of the air and the fishes of the seas, those that like to fish. Uh, you know, as I thought about that, is there anything 
Is there anything that man has not harnessed yet? You know, we've, uh, you know, we in just in the last 10, 15, 20 years, we've been harnessing the wind, showing up here in our community. Uh, the sun, solar systems are coming. We're harnessing the sun and the wind. Uh, you know, is there any anything that isn't conquered yet in God's creation? Is there anything that isn't uh, we don't have dominion over? I don't know. Uh, you know, there's been, I thought of technology, there's been such a, a vast uh, advancements made in technology. And this, this goes down to Mark's field, I guess. And I'm, I'm not learned at all in technology. But I, I was with family here just recently, and, and one of my brother-in-laws had, and we were at the cabin there visiting for several days. And it was up in the mountains, very scenic, very relaxing. And uh, we were having a good time, and we were watching out across the hillside there, and there was jets streaming across, and brother-in-law pulled his phone out, and he had an app that showed where the uh, planes were. It gave a GPS location for where, right where we were at, and we could identify the, the jets that were flying over top. Um, you know, what the airline was, what the flight number was, where they departed from, where they're going, and, uh, you know, that was kind of impressive. Um, and uh, we left the event early to come back for a show and Davy's wedding. And so I gave him my flight number and uh, the time we're leaving. And uh, I figured well, it was a pretty early in the morning from Philadelphia, but we kind of figured maybe that uh, our flight would probably come right over where we had been staying. And uh, we know we landed up in Minneapolis. We had a straight through flight from Philly to Minneapolis. And turned my phone on again. There was a text from him. He said, uh, Got up and saw you fly over top. <laughs> Got a good landing? I said, sure did. He watched us till we landed, I guess. But uh, you know, so that's that's technology. They've they've harnessed you know with with the uh, satellites and you know there's there's not. I'm just thinking there's not a lot not a left, lot left yet to harness. I don't know. Uh, I, I I'm probably naive, I guess. Uh, along that same line, I was I don't know if any of you noticed that when the uh, hurricane was closing in on Puerto Rico. Uh, there was a number of flights from JFK Airport uh, flying into Puerto Rico or scheduled to fly into Puerto Rico and uh, I think there was American Airlines, a jet blue. They started actually taking off, I think, and realized they weren't going to make it before the hurricane hit, so they turned around and came back. However, what caught my attention was there was a Delta flight that actually took off, I think, 20 minutes late, departed JFK 20 minutes late, 20 minutes or a half hour, doesn't matter. But anyway, took off late, and he kept on going. And uh, his weather support team had calculated out that he could slip in between the outer bands of the hurricane and, and drop in Puerto Rico and uh, get out of there before it really got bad. And uh, they were showing this all. And uh, so he did that. He followed his weather advisors. The pilot, the flight crew made the evaluation to just stick with their plan. And, and even though others were turning back, he kept on going. And... Uh, it, it fortunately it all worked out. I, I said, you know, you pull them kind of things and they don't work out, then you look like the, the bumbling idiot. But uh, Delta kind of gloated on it. They said, uh, yeah, we have the best weather team that there is, and uh, it worked out for them. But, uh, you know, talk about calculations and, uh, you know, uh, someone making decisions and working with God's creation. Uh, you know, are, are hurricanes for the glory of God? I think they certainly are. God is in control of the weather just as regardless how severe it is. Um, another thing that uh, relates to me uh, directly was uh, 
just recently there was a, uh, uh, a fire in Wisconsin, and uh, there was a uh, barn fire that one of the best cows in the world perished. She milked uh, 75,000 pounds in 2015 in one year. Now, if you calculate that out, that's over 200 pounds, an average of over 200 pounds a day. And uh, so, from a farmer's perspective, I you know that's uh, you know that's pretty impressive. I uh, you know, and to have it perish in a fire, it didn't last; it's gone. But uh, you know, so that's uh, that's man working with God's creation. You know, and it's 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 unbelievable what what we have you know what man has has accomplished and done, and what God has allowed them to do. And uh, so that's uh, that's challenging. But are we doing it for the glory of God? I guess is the, the challenge. Am I under, do I have an understanding of God's will as I function in my role with God's creation? The second theme that is, is noted here in the, in the psalmist David, and David was a man that was very close to nature, I believe, as he watched the sheep. We're not certain when this psalm was, was penned. It could have well been while he was out in nature watching his father's sheep, perhaps. That would be... My guess, I don't know, we don't know for sure, but uh, it seems like it was a time that he had, uh, he had an opportunity to look and, and understand God's creation. The second theme is the role, nature's role in witnessing to the glory of God. And that's in verses, uh, uh, verse 1 and then verse 3 and also verse 9. You know, God has placed his name or his fingerprint in and on all of nature. Uh, you think of the sunrises, you think of the sunsets, and you know just more recently the eclipse of the sun. You know how much attention did that gather? I couldn't believe the amount of people that were willing to travel to see that. And uh, you know it's, it's impressive. It's it's a once in a lifetime event for you know most of us. But uh, uh, the eclipse of the sun and the other eclipses of the other heavenly bodies, the stars, the changing seasons, the weather, the rain. Tornadoes, snow, blizzards, you know, we're getting to that winter season again. Do I realize that snow is a blessing from God? And, uh, you know, so it's, it's challenging to think that God has created the world as we see it today. And it's for His glory. His fingerprint is on that. And the changing seasons, we, we are challenged. And at least I enjoy the changing seasons. Maybe some of you don't share that enthusiasm. But, you know, until one season's done, I'm, I'm kind of ready for the next one. And, uh, but uh, that creation that God has given is, uh, is for His honor, for His glory, and we give recognition to Him, His greatness, as the psalmist did here. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. And as, as He put His fingerprint all around us in nature. In conclusion this morning, as I... I think of what man is, the question I and we need to ask ourselves and consider. God has made a tremendous investment. And you could figure out, you could attempt to figure out the total worth of the whole world, the whole universe, the par that's in there, and the, the minerals and the diamonds and the gold and the silver. Figure out the whole worth of the universe in a material way. Come up with a dollar value. God has invested that for us, mankind. And then beyond that, He has made a spiritual investment for us. He has given us His Son. What did that cost? But the question I need and we need to consider is that God has made a, a tremendous investment in you and me 
And what kind of a return am I giving to him? That's one of the things we look at from a business standpoint. We like to look on return on investment. What kind of investment? What am I? What kind of a return am I giving back to God? God, I believe, is pleased when we return our lives, our hearts, for His service. And it may be in small, insignificant ways. But the challenge I want to leave with you is to do it for the glory of God. Those deeds, those deeds of kindness, those deeds of goodness, for the glory of God. And may He use each one of us as a channel for His kingdom's purposes.